This is the Uncommon Christian Podcast with Michael Hinton. Well, hey, 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 everybody. Welcome to the Uncommon Christian Podcast, episode 47. We're just chugging along here. So good to be with you today. We are talking about people. Now, if you've been listening for some time, you know that the mission of this podcast has always been to help every Christian to love Jesus and to live out their purpose in uncommon ways. And so we're always kind of just listening and keeping our eyes to the ground, so to speak, for just like any new insights, wisdom, you know, habit, habit development, or whatever it may take to to help lend a helping hand to in the mission of helping you live out your God-given purpose in uncommon ways. And so several weeks ago uh, at an all-staff meeting, uh, we were introduced to this organization called LEADER. Now, it's spelled L-E-A-D-R. And they did this on purpose, believe it or not. They actually spelled it this way. Um, And this organization is all about people development. And at first, I was leery. I'll be honest. I was leery because the software that we were already using was really good. And even though I'm in my mid-30s, I'm an old curmudgeon when it comes to change. Uh, I've worked with something. I want to stay with it. But as they were introducing this new software to our church and our staff, I became enamored with it. I mean, more than enamored, overly excited, giddy. I mean, I could use all the uh, superlatives here. But It's an amazing software, and the company itself was amazing as well. And one of the uh, presenters that day was a person by the name of Holly Tate, and she uh, is the uh, Senior Vice President of Growth for Leader, and she has a fantastic and amazing story. And so I cornered her after uh, that presentation. I said, Holly, you got to come on the podcast. Uh, Our listeners need to know about Leader and what they're trying to do, and she so graciously agreed. So today... I'm joined by Holly Tate, who, again, is the Senior Vice President of Growth at Leader. Holly, welcome to the podcast. What an amazing introduction, Michael. Hello. It's so good to be here. I wish I was in sunny California with you like I was a few weeks ago, but just here in Houston today. But it is sunny. It is sunny. Yeah. It's sunny there. Okay, good, good, good. (laughs) I mean, it is. this is one of the reasons I love California, because 90% of the time, it is very sunny and very nice. Yeah, so. I had a friend that moved away from California because she was bored of the weather. And I thought, that is ridiculous. No, you could never get, get bored of that weather. Go spend five years in the Midwest and let me, and then tell me if you get bored of California weather again, <laughs> exactly. right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, Holly, thank you so much for joining today. Why don't you just kind of start us off here? Tell us just a little bit about you know who you are, what you do, and why you do it. Yeah. Well, I was born and raised in Nashville, Tennessee. Shout out to any Nash Vegas. Nash Vegas. I like it. Um, And then I uh, went to college in New York City, a little small Christian college there called the King's College. And then after that, moved to Texas, where I've been for almost, um, let's see, I guess it's been about 11 years now since I've lived in Texas. A little short stint in Dallas. And the majority of that time, the last 10 years, has been in Houston, Texas. And yeah, I get to spend my day accomplishing a mission, a big one, which is developing 1 million leaders. So that's oh, our, our goal. That is our mission. That's what drives us at Leader. And we get to do that primarily through serving churches. So we've got about 600 churches on the platform, Real Life being one of them, which we're yeah. so thankful for. Yeah. And um, 
let's see, outside of work, I'm married to a wonderful husband named Elliot, and we have the cutest dog in the entire world <laughs> named Scraps. So, Ooh, that's a good name, Scraps. Mm-hmm. I like and he that. lives up to his name, that's for sure. He's very scrappy. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, Holly, that that's so cool. Yeah, it was so great to get to meet you. Your passion, your desire to really serve the local church. You know, I think you've heard at Real Life, you know, we have a saying that we believe the local church uh, is the hope of the world. And so organizations like Leader who come alongside to partner with the local church are just helping uh, us just re- really make kingdom impact. And so uh, I was just blown away by the presentation, by the software, by the care, um, and then intentionality of what leaders trying to do. And we're going to get into that in just a second. But before we do, I think your story is, is kind of amazing and crazy at the same time, which is <laughs> why we wanted to talk to you today about people development. I mean, you basically started your own company, right? Mm-hmm. And then God kind of brings this opportunity for you to join leader. Like, kind of tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I call it a short and winding road to leader mm. because I um I was in a job for nine years serving churches, uh, primarily through staffing and executive search. So I've been thinking about this topic of leadership development for over 10 years now, <laughs> waking up and going to bed, thinking about it every single day. Um, but I had decided to transition out of that job and start my own company uh, called The Ready Network, where I was going to, mm-hmm. where I did do growth consulting. And literally the week that I started the company was when Leader approached me. And I had known about um, a couple of the team members that work at Leader from their previous company. And I kind of seen this pop up on LinkedIn. I was like, what is this Leader company? And I uh, went to the website. But at the time, it was they were still kind of in beta with the software. So it was very vague. It wasn't really sure exactly what it was. And so anyway, they approached me about us working together. And um, so I said, sure, you can be one of my clients. And pretty quickly realized that this team and this software that we're building is something very, very special. And um, so then a year ago in March of 2021, I decided literally to put my company on pause to join Leader full time. So that's how passionate I am about our mission that I paused building my own company to join our team at Leader full time. And it's been a year. Um, when I joined, we were number 20. I would think I was number 20 something full-time employee. And um, now we're at over a hundred full-time employees at Leader. And Wow. That is so, awesome. Yeah. It's been um, really exciting. Lots of hard work, but uh, it's just a joy to be a part of such an important mission. Yeah, that is so, man, that is awesome. I mean, just what you guys are doing there and how you're trying to um, raise 1 million leaders. That is a very audacious goal. It is. It's one of those BHAGs, big, hairy, audacious goal. <laughs> BHAGs, big, hairy, audacious goals. I have to remember that. Yep. Yep. That's so good. Okay. So now at Leader, uh, one of the things I found super interesting was as you guys talk about your mission, your uh, desire to raise 1 million leaders, um, you guys talk about your Nigel stories. Okay. Yes. So tell us what, what is a Nigel story? And if you would mind just maybe sharing a a bit about your Nigel story. Yeah, absolutely. So um, our co-founders are from New Zealand originally, and apparently in New Zealand, there is a phrase called Nigel no mates. Nigel no mates. It's kind of like our version of Karen, you know, or like Uh, like negative Nancy or yeah. 
uh, or Debbie Downer, you know, that kind of person, which by the way, why do all those names have to be women? I don't know. But, um, yeah. So, so the idea behind a Nigel story is that leadership experience that we've all had in our life where that leader said something to us or did something that really changed the trajectory of who, who we were becoming. And that's what your Nigel story is. And for us at Leader, we, we all have, every single one of us has a Nigel story. And it just helps us remember our why. Why it's so important that the world needs more great leaders. Right. Um, and the other thing, too, is it's a reminder for all of us that we can all become a Nigel. I know I've been a Nigel. Um, I've, I have made mistakes in my own leadership of leading my team uh, where I'm like, man, I wish I would have done that differently. And um, so it's just a good reminder for us to remember our why. Um, so I'll give you an example. Of okay. My one of my Nigel stories. I remember one time I was in a meeting, and um, one of my supervisors said, "You know, Holly, you're just too animated. You're too mm. animated. And when you come with information, you need to come with more data, and you need to calm down. Um, you're just too animated." And that was really hurtful. Yeah, I would uh, imagine. Yeah, it was because uh, my animation and my passion is what really helps organizations be able to grow. Now, it's not that we shouldn't get feedback. Um, that person had, you know, every ability and right to give me feedback, but that wasn't helpful feedback. I, I didn't really understand exactly what she meant. It was more, uh, it, it was just very hurtful rather than constructive feedback on how I could be more effective in communicating. And so um, that's that's one of mine is just and I carried that with me for a long time. It still often impacts me um, where I'll be in a meeting and um, we're making a decision on something. And I uh, I hear that voice in my head that I'm too animated. I shouldn't speak up because I need more data or I think this is the right decision, but I don't have data to back up that decision. So I'm too scared to actually speak up and use my voice. And yeah. so all of us have those experiences where a leader um, that's been in a place of leadership above us um, has has said something that was really hurtful that we carried with us for too long. And so um, the goal is, is that I'll remember that and to try not to be a Nigel, even though I definitely have been a Nigel <laughs> to before, <laughs> um, and to make sure that we're leading people um, with care first, that we're caring for and developing people um, and uh, that's the goal is yeah. to not be a Nigel and no offense to Nigel's out there um, no offense. by the way. <laughs> well, and I think we all, I think we all like, I think I, I appreciate your honesty in saying like, you know, you've been a Nigel. I think we've all been a Nigel at some point in time. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, I look back over my uh, ministry career and the way I've led, I, I can like right now, I just have like two or three instances where I was a Nigel. Yeah. Um, and I remember several of the Nigels in my life. And I think where, uh, where the humility comes in is to recognize that and say, okay, if I didn't like being led that way, why would I in turn continue to lead that way? Mm -hmm. And so um, I think we, especially myself, I, I've tried to always lead by how I want to be led. 
Yes. Which is which is hard sometimes. It can be very hard to do that, especially like if you're, you know, I'm a three on the Enneagram. And so uh, I'm the achiever. You know, you put goals. I'm trying to reach them. I don't mm-hmm. really necessarily care about anything else but reaching that goal. And so when I have people who work for me who are not in the same boat, it's always I'm always having to remind myself that I have to lead them differently. I have to think differently than I would. Not everybody thinks the same way I do. Absolutely. You nailed it. We, one of our, we have five foundations at leader that we talk about that we want to see, um, in a healthy team. Mm-hmm. And one of them is that we're recognizing every team member for their unique skills and strengths. Mm. And it takes intentionality and hard work uh, as the leader. It would be a lot easier if everyone was just like us, because <laughs> right. we didn't know how to lead them. But the reality is exactly what you said. Every single person we're leading is different and it's up to our job as the leader to be able to um, coach and mentor that person in the way that's best for them. Right. Absolutely. Okay. So leader has a manifesto um, Mm -hmm. uh, that we believe people don't want to be managed. They want to be led and develop. Yes. Walk us through that. All right. So there's some data that backs this up. So a couple data points um, specifically from Gallup, which is a wonderful resource about workplace culture and just workplace in general. And a heartbreaking statistic is that 85% of people are disengaged in the workplace. Okay. So imagine the people that you work with right now, think about 10 of them, eight and a half out of 10 of those people, the data tells us are disengaged in their work, Okay. which is really sad because we spend more time at work than we do with our own families often. Most of us spend 40 plus hours a week at work whether we're in ministry and often in ministry, we're spending way more time than that at work than we are um, in the corporate world. And so uh, then the question becomes, okay, well, where does that disengagement come from? And that was a pre-COVID data point, by the way, that was 2019. Okay. So when you dig into that, what Gallup says is a couple things. Number one, that uh, organizations with the highest engagement had a weekly interaction between the manager and the direct report. So people that said, no, I'm really engaged in my work. They had a weekly touch point with their manager every single week. And then secondly, um, when we look at, when Gallup looked at employee engagement as a whole, 70% of a person's engagement could be drawn right back. A straight line could be driven back to their relationship with their manager. Okay. And so, It doesn't matter how many ping pong tables you have or how (laughs) awesome your office is or often how much money somebody gets paid. That's important. But it's often their relationship with their manager that helps spark their employee engagement. And so that's why we say people want to be led and developed. They don't want to be managed. If we're hiring the right people who are self-leading, self-managing then our job as the leader is to help lead and develop them to make sure that they're who they're supposed to become, that we're yeah. a part of that. Right. Um, but that we're not micromanaging. I don't know about you. I've definitely had the micromanager supervisor. I had one one time that made me send a weekly report every Wednesday by 12 p.m. with everything I'd done that week. Mm. And then I've also had the macro manager who never showed up for one-on-ones. And um, I would sit there and then get a note 10 minutes in that they couldn't make it. Right. Oh, so wow. yeah. you don't, neither of those is effective management and right. neither of those is effective leadership or development. We want to be kind of right there in the middle of um, truly being a coach, turning management into coaching as we right. lead and develop people. So that's right. kind of what that means. Yeah, I totally man. I t- 
when I saw that that statement, I thought at first I was like, huh, it made me just kind of think it through. And then I realized like, yeah, you know, that this is very true. We've all had jobs. We've all been in situations where we've been managed. And depending on how that management style was, we either flourished or we didn't. Now, some of us have the ability to flourish in really bad management styles. And to those people, kudos to you. You you are a unicorn, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but have lots for, of patience. And lots of patience, exactly. But for a lot of us, you know, there's a certain type of management style that we don't flourish in. And I know when I look back over my career, the times that I were that I was successful, that I felt like I made a greater impact in my role, in my church, my job, uh, the times that I really felt like I was actually making a difference was when I served with someone who led me, who was willing to give me space and rope to to fail, but to succeed, gave me constructive and helpful feedback, but also encouraged me to take those risks and do those things. And the times when I wasn't as successful, I either had what you just said, the micromanager, which I do not work well under, mm-hmm. or the opposite, which is the kind of just MIA manager who only shows up when he has or she has the pressure and now it's all, now it's coming on me like oh well, yeah. i've been working this project for 3 weeks and now you're just showing up at the end freaking out about it like okay yep. where have you been <laughs> where have you been and so when you talk about people wanting to be led and developed more than they want to be managed i i see this really as people just want to be understood that they have a gift they understand that okay i want to grow and you're the person who has been charged to help me grow. And I've oh. been the I'm the person who is charged to produce. But I don't want I also I don't want to just be looked at someone who is a producer. I want to also be looked at someone who has potential to grow in this organization. And your job as the manager is to help me. And if I can see that, if people can see that in their managers, then we're creating better environments for um, great production and great workflow, great everything when that's the mentality. Absolutely. Yep. And it's proven that when there is a intentionality around growth and development, productivity increases uh, rather than when there's a focus on pure performance management, um, productivity, because we're often in that environment, we're trying to squeeze the most out of people. And that stifles creativity. It makes people feel paralyzed. And so effective management is important. That's a part of development. But what we want to do is lead with developing someone and performance is an output of someone truly being developed. Yeah, right. Exactly. Okay. So this is this is not in our questions, but it, it kind of brings me up something. Okay. So okay. let's say you're a manager. Okay. And so you're like, okay, I want to lead and develop. I don't want to just manage people. But you're noticing that their performance is is really declining. It, it, it is the tools by which you go by is okay. How has my development process been with them, or do does there come a point where you can do only so much development and performance is still not meeting that? Like what 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 is leader thinking through that in that sense? Uh, it's such a good question. Yeah. So one of our five foundations is that every employee should have clearly documented goals. Mm. And so this is one of the most, the biggest foundations in effective leadership is making sure that there's clarity. And often I find that when um, I first try, when I have a a team member who's underperforming, I first look at, okay, what were the goals that we set? Were they clear? Are they missing deadlines? Okay. Did they know what the deadlines were? Okay. Yes. Then we've got an issue of, we've got a a deeper issue here. 
um, because there is clarity, but they're still not meeting those deadlines. And so let's unpack that. Whereas if I look at it and go, oh, actually, it was never communicated to them what their goals were. And I wasn't clear as the leader. And that's on me. And right. so it takes a both and. It takes a co-ownership. I think that's what's so important about development. It takes both the employee owning that development and realizing it's an active process that's not passive. We have to step into that as an employee. But then also our as a leader, we have to make sure that we're creating an environment where that development can happen. So yeah. that's the that's first so thing good. I look for, Michael, when there's underperformance is... Um, was there clarity? Now, there's not always going to be clarity of, um, I, I don't think clarity looks like someone's hand being held, uh, right. you know, uh, and laying out every single thing for them. Um, if that is what's happening, then they're probably not in the right seat on the bus. Maybe there's a gap in what the expectation for the role is and what um, they the experience that they needed to bring to the table. Um, and that happens sometimes in the interview and, and hiring process. And other times it's because we as the leader haven't been clear and we need to make right. sure we go back to the drawing board and make sure there's clarity there so that um, as much as possible, we can try to right size that performance. Yeah. One of the things that um, at real life that um, our se- our lead pastor, I almost said senior, bad word, our lead <laughs> pastor, uh, Rusty George, and our senior executive pastor, Fred Gray, one of the things that they talk about very often is that clarity is kindness, that we want to yes. make sure that we give clear expectations um, and clear, you know, roadmaps of development for each of our, our team members so that, you know, no one leaves, uh, no one feels like they're just kind of wallowing in this thing. Uh, Pastor Rusty talked about on his podcast, one of the things he, he has this episode where he talks about the things I failed at. And mm-hmm. one of the things he talked about was I, back in the day, I, I, we didn't do a good enough job clarifying somebody's role. And so when people would leave, they would leave. Sometimes they would leave very just disenfranchised with us. And he followed up on a conversation with with one of those per one of those people. And the first thing they said was, you know, I just really felt like I had no idea what I was supposed to be doing. And so I didn't know mm-hmm. what the expectations were. So when I didn't meet them, you know, I just felt like I like I just felt like I wasn't set up well. And so that's yeah. one of the things that we really try to do is clarify very well exactly what we're expecting of you in your role. Yeah, absolutely. It's um it's and there's not, you know, we're not always especially in fast growing organizations, there's not always going to be perfect clarity, right, right. but at least to provide like I think about it like um when we're going bowling, you know, the bumper rails. The bumper rails. <laughs> Do they at least have the bumper rails of knowing what does winning? Because we all want to win. Right. Most people wake up every day and want to win. I don't think anybody raises their hand and says, oh, I want to lose today. <laughs> so how can we as a leader make sure they've got the bumper rails to make sure that they're able to, um, you know, to win? Yeah. Well, okay. Speaking of clarity. Okay. So here's the thing about the manifesto. I 100% yeah. agree. But I'm, I'm also thinking about not just the organization, like go to work. I also think about the home because we're not just followers of Jesus in the organization. We're also followers of Jesus in our relationships and our home. And I think about like other types of employees, like people, you know, not just CEOs and and managers and middle managers, but also, you know, managing coaches who manage teams, or maybe you're, you know, maybe you're somebody who, who's a work from home or work in the home person. And so Mm -hmm. you have a spouse and maybe there are kids. My question is, the manifesto says people don't want to be managed, but can you really take the management part out of the job? Mm, so good. 
Um, so let me give you a real life example and see what you think. Um, okay. so here's how this plays out in my own marriage. <laughs> so <laughs> I am a fixer person. Like I okay. love when, when a problem's presented to me, my natural inclination is to jump to solutions. Okay. Like how can we fix this? There have been many times where my husband will say, I am not looking for you to fix this. I just need you to listen. And yeah. to me, that is the difference between developing and someone and managing someone. He doesn't need me to manage him. He doesn't need me to say, well, here's what I think you should do. First this, then that, then I think you should do this. And what he needs is me to, he needs me to foster an environment where he can verbally process and bring right. his thoughts and feelings to the table. And I can ask him thoughtful questions that he can process and come to a conclusion on his own because he's fully capable of doing that. Right. And so um, that's, that's how I think of the difference when we think about outside of the work in our own relationships. And I've had even friends that have told me that before. I'll never mm. forget one time. Actually, I was in San Diego visiting a friend and um, she just looked at me and said, Holly, you always try to solve everyone's problems. Like, you, I just want you to listen and I don't need you to solve them. And so I try to remember that. And to me, that's that's a great example of the difference between leadership and management um, in our personal lives as well. No, I think that's so true. And I, I think your husband and my wife would probably get along really well because that it seems like that 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 saying, I don't need you to fix this, is very uh familiar to me. Uh yeah. you know, again, as a three, my wife is a six, amazing. My husband's them. a six, and oh, I'm a eight, there you, so there, there you, you go. go. Yep. There you go. And she's the love of my life. But oftentimes be, as a six, you know, they're, they're so loyal, but they have the anxiety and they, you know, the problem will happen. And um, you as a three, I'm looking at it like, OK, here are the six solutions I would take. And <laughs> yeah. she's just kind of circling the runway. And I'm like, OK, but if you do these things or if I were you, I would do these things. And she's like, I don't need you to fix it. I just need you to listen. I just need to talk about it. And it's like, OK, I'll listen. While I'm yep. coming up with solutions in my head. So I, I totally get that. And and I absolutely agree. I don't I don't necessarily think you can take the managing because you're always managing something. You know, Andy Stanley mm -hmm. talks about managing the tension, right? There are tensions mm -hmm. to be solved and there are tensions to be managed. And mm -hmm. so you're always going to manage something. But I think in the way in which you manage, if you, you know, maybe a problem that you're dealing with an employee or in the home, maybe you manage it by really just listening. You just need to just mm -hmm. kind of take a beat and just listen. There are other problems that you're going to manage by being solution oriented or mm -hmm. made in that sense. And when I think about, I don't know, the greatest manager of all time, I love how when we talk about Jesus, we always put the greatest, which, you know, is probably absolutely true. But uh, we talk about leading and developing people. Honestly, mm -hmm. Holly, I believe there n nobody did it better than Jesus. I mean, he took mm -hmm. a ragtag group of basically teenagers <laughs> who were literally, according to first century Jewish customs, were nobodies. They were yep. nobodies, right? They were they were working. So they weren't even rabbis, which in that time period, if you were doing your family's business, which which was carpentry or fishing, or I mean Matthew, who was a tax collector, who was probably the most hated of them all, you basically couldn't live up to the, you know, expectations of that culture. And so Jesus took this group of nobodies and literally turned them into one of or actually the most powerful movement that we've seen in human history. Do you, yeah. would you talk about that a little bit, the correlation between Jesus and his management style with the disciples and what leader and trying to raise up a million leaders are, are trying to do? 
Absolutely. Yes. So first of all, development is just another word for discipleship. Mm. I mean, that's really at the heart of Preach. development. That's what it is. And especially for those of us that are Christians, that is how we should be looking at every different part of our life, whether we're in full-time ministry or whether we're in the corporate workplace, how can we develop people, AKA disciple people? And so, yeah, I mean, let's look at Jesus. Yeah. He took a ragtag group of 12 people, but there were three that were his inner circle. I mean, he had Peter, James, and John that he spent the most time with. And uh, we don't see him go to them and say, okay, guys, this is what you should do. Here are all of the rules. Do this. Don't do this. Instead, he used parables. He used stories. He lived life with them. He got in the boat and went fishing with them and said, hey, cast your net to the other side. And they're like, Jesus, what do you know? And he's like, just try it and see what happens. Right? So that's when I think about discipleship and development, there's so many examples of where Jesus showed us that it's not about management. It's, I mean, I, you know, I believe Jesus came to disrupt all of that, that we see in the old Testament where there were so many rules and regulations. And he said, I've come to bring life. And, um, and it's not about the, the rules anymore. It's about, um, walking with him. And so, and he chose three people to be the closest to him and he invested in all of them, but those three got the most of his time. And so, um, there are a whole nother podcast we could talk about how many direct reports you should have. And I like to say three <laughs> and because Jesus had three. Um, but yeah, uh, hopefully true. that helps. And as we kind of think about what, what Jesus modeled and what discipleship looked like. Yeah. I always found uh, the model of what Jesus, how he really led and developed those, uh, those inner three. And then the rest of the 12 that turned into, you know, the greatest move of all time. I think about the, you, you may have heard this, but it's the, you know, the, I do, you watch, we talk. I do, you help, we talk. You do, I help, we talk. You do, I watch, we talk. You do somebody else's watch, watch us, right? You literally see that in Jesus's ministry, how he develops these disciples. He started by doing things and they watched and then they would talk about what happened and he would have to explain and then, and then he would do again and then they would help with some of like when they fed the 5,000, right? And then they talked and then he sent them out and he helped them and then they came back and they talked again and then he did other stuff and then he watches and then they talked and then of course he you know, ascends to heaven. And then now they're now replicating the discipleship model over and over again. And I think that's what leaders after, right. To create Mm -hmm. when as this audacious goal of 1 million leaders is basically saying, all we're trying to do is develop people who are willing to develop people who are willing to develop people. Absolutely. Michael, you nailed it. Oh man. Well, Holly, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. This was fun. We should do it again soon. Yes, we should. Hey, why don't you tell people where they can find Leader or your work or just keep up with what's happening? Absolutely. You, Yeah, we do spell it funny. It, we spell it uncommonly, Michael. Uncommonly. I like yeah. that. I like that. Um, it's leadr.com. You can go to our website. We've got a chat feature there. You can talk to our team or fill out a demo request if you want to see Leader in action. Um, and then I have my own website. If you want to, uh, you know, contact me, hollytate.com. Uh, those are the two best places, leader.com and hollytate.com. All right, guys, you heard it here. Leader.com, hollytate.com. Holly, thank you so much for joining us today. We so appreciate it. Thanks for having me.
Yes, and I want to thank you for listening today. And if this was helpful for you, would you do me a favor, a big favor, and share this with others? Also, I'd love it if you would provide a positive rate and review wherever you listen to your podcast. So Spotify, Google, Apple, wherever it is, because it will help this show reach more people. And you guys know what I say all the time. It's not about fame or popularity. This podcast is all about encouraging and inspiring every Christian to love Jesus and to live out their purpose in uncommon ways. Thanks for joining, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Christian Podcast with Michael Hinton. For more information on today's topic, visit UncommonChristianPodcast.com.